1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday where everything is good in Knicksland. land. It is amazing what one win will do for the mentality of a team, of a fan base, of a podcast host. Um, I am not complaining. Uh, so... Uh, Very excited, first of all, to be bringing you this episode. This is... um as I say at the beginning of the episode, someone I'm a very big fan of um, from his work on Twitter, from his writing at the Strickland, uh, Ben Ritholtz. Um, He he goes by the Twitter name Rit Holtzman, But uh, yeah, Ben came on. Um, he is someone who has been breaking down film clips for a while now um, on Twitter, and he just has a really, really, really great head for the game. And as you will hear in this conversation, which I just finished recording a few minutes ago, um, we really get into some like nitty gritty stuff that we sometimes don't get into on this show. Um, and I came away thinking about some things that I had not yet uh, thought about. And I think you will too. You'll, you'll enjoy this conversation. We really get at some, again, some nitty gritty stuff involving this team. Um, Obi, uh, Quickly, RJ, Julius, uh, we cover all the bases, um, how they're playing, what's wrong, what's right, you know, the offense, the defense, we, we go through it all. Really, really good conversation. One of my favorites that I've had on here in, in quite some time. Um, so enjoy that. Um, and also, uh, I want to just give a very quick shout out to anyone listening to this episode who is going to be joining us tonight. At Madison Square Garden um, for the Knicks, pay, Knicks, excuse me, the Knicks Magic game, um, where we have we're having our first official KFS outing to MSG. Uh, we got a, a suite, I'm pretty sure, or some private area. I don't know how how this is working out. I, I leave all that stuff to to uh, Jeremy Cohen. Shout out to Jeremy. But uh, yeah, so if you're if you're listening to this and uh, you're gonna see us later. Uh, I look forward to seeing you. Um, I think that's it. Um, As always, if you uh, dig the pod, feel free to uh, drop a rating or a review. Um, But here, without further ado, is my conversation with Ben Ritholtz. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, very excited to welcome First time guest, although I have been a fan of his work for some time, Um, you could see uh, his tweets on, well, on Twitter, but associated with the Strickland, our friends at the Strickland. Um, He does fantastic film breakdowns for them. He also writes for them occasionally, um, including recently about Earl the Pearl Monroe, which uh, I'd love to ask him about before we get out of here. Um, A, a. Friend of the pod, even though he's never been on the pod, I'd like to say, Ben Rindholz. Ben, how are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm honored to be on. Um, I've been uh, enjoying and following your work for some time, and uh, just got in on the on the content game, if you will, uh, last December. About I would say, and uh, so it's been a year so, almost. It's been almost a year. Yeah, yeah. I think I reached out to you in in December of last year when I was just getting started. Okay, and just to ask you. You know, advice. What you thought because I've been following you for a while, and uh, you were so supportive. So thank you for that. And uh, oh, it's it's been a fun ride ever since. I I, it's kind of shocking how many people care to see what I have to say about the game, but it's been it's been a
1: lot of fun. Well, no, I I, I, that's a good place to start because what I I don't know your your breakdowns actually remind me they're the closest I've seen anybody remind me to to JB. Which is like you know way way back in in the day the original Nick Film School account when like you know Jeffrey Ballone would just break things down in kind of just like the simplest like layman's terms but at the same time you felt you always felt like you were learning something and whenever I see your threads I'm like I'm always picking up on something or another that like man I didn't may not have seen that or I may not have thought of that and um, yeah man you're just really good at it and and a big part of that is you are committed in that like i feel like i don't i don't scroll on twitter that much anymore but um when i do i i feel like i usually see something that you have put out about a game man that's that's it's you know give yourself a pat on the back you, you, you've been second with it
2: if i wasn't enjoying it i wouldn't i wouldn't do it because uh as, as we talked about before i do have a day job but uh um it's uh it's, so fun. I do it any break I have. I just love, I love watching it and, and, and get it out there. So it's, it's been, it's been nothing but fun. As soon as it doesn't get fun, I, I don't think I would do it anymore.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good MO. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about this team. Um, because again, you do, you do rewatch the games. You do put out a lot of film. Um, I going into the Indiana game, um, which we're recording this on Tuesday night. So it was last night for us was, I don't want to say like, I was utterly baffled by this team, but the, the, I just, I was trying to figure out the way out of it. Cause it felt like they were in something and I was trying to figure out the way out. And I knew it had something to do with Randall and like, but I couldn't really, I would say sometimes when a team's not going right, the answer is so obvious, either like they lack talent or just like one person and maybe is playing poorly or like, you know, it didn't, it was obvious in feel, but it wasn't obvious to me, at least in like solution. So I'm, I'm curious, let's start here. Like before the Indiana game, where was your, where was your mindset in terms of like this team and like what, what ailed it? What
2: was so unique about, about trying to, understand this team is that it's really not one team Um, and I think that's kind of where it starts Um, and even with most NBA teams you know you have let's say you know player A and then player A minus where they stagger the minutes think of like the Celtics or the Blazers most NBA teams they have two guys that they want on the floor at all times and you can assess how those lineups look Um, and let's say there are four or five lineups to look at but it's a more cohesive unit to kind of analyze. Whereas with the Knicks, it's such a uniquely um, bifurcated team where you have these two units and these two lineups to study and they have been polar opposites to start the year. So you're not really analyzing one team, you're analyzing two. Um, and obviously, <laughs> when, it to, when it came to get coming into this game, I mean, the, the story was clearly how does this first unit pick it up and figure it out. Um, and I think they did to some extent, I think the first quarter was encouraging parts of the third quarter were encouraging the way Julius played down the stretch with a bench unit, which was kind of a mix and match unit that we haven't seen a ton of, uh, was encouraging, but, uh, that, that is the challenge of kind of assessing
1: where this team is, uh, as we're, as we're moving through the season. Yeah, that's, it's a great call. um, Yeah, and it's you know, look, you may tune into the occasional post game where it's like it's not a Knicks, it's not a Knicks film school, uh, you know, post game live stream unless somebody's calling for or multiple somebody's are calling (laughs) for somebody to be benched and like, like, but I, I I love the bench unit, and I kind of (laughs) my probably too convenient response has been just like, how about we let the starters try to figure it out and then. Leave the bench, being the best bench you in the NBA. Um, you know that said, the concept of staggering is something that I think a lot of people have wanted from Tibbs. Um, probably before he came to New York, I'm sure Minnesota people and and maybe even Chicago people wanted more of that. Um, and we we did see that to end the last two games, one of which was a success, the other the other one not not so much. Um, it I I don't I. <sighs> I don't know if you were to ask me like right now, and I'm just thinking of this, you talking about like the two teams, like what is the Knicks best lineup? It's a question that I got before the season. And it's a question I've obviously gotten like throughout the season. And I genuinely, I don't, do we have an answer? Like, is there, do you think there's an answer? And then like, what is, like, if you had to answer it, like, what would your answer be? I don't even know. <laughs>
2: I don't know either. It's, it's so hard because um, as, as great as the second unit is, and it is great, um, and it's been great, and I have no reason to think it won't be great going forward. I don't think there's anything fluky about it. It's been basically a season plus now um, where they've been an excellent bench unit. Um, you always do have to factor in the fact that they are not playing against starters all the time. Yeah. And, we like and, to forget that. <laughs> yeah, and especially <laughs> defensively, I know we like how they fly around and they do, they fly around, they scramble so well, they communicate well, but it, it, Obi Toppin is, is going to have a lot more trouble with, with, uh, with bridges than he is with uh, whoever, he was the backup McDaniels or whoever he was guarding. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. And someone not good.
2: Yeah. It's a totally different story for a guy like that. Who's still learning the nuances of NBA defense. And as frustrated as we get with Julius Randle defensively at times, um, the he's got, He's got seasons worth of of understanding and mm-hmm. and in some ways a better physical ability than Obi does on the defensive end. It's just a whole different ballgame like there is the gap that exists would lessen if we switched who they were playing against. There's no question. And I'll add to that that I think. It's, it's a uniquely built team because you have Julius on the top and then you have nine guys that or eight guys that you could basically call on any night the second best player on the team literally <laughs> eight guys uh, there, that's... there's there's no team like that in the nba that i can think of And so trying to construct one lineup that is the best lineup is yeah. hard to feel and that's the reason that tibbs is always just playing the hot hand because
1: and why nobody's ever happy Because there's always people. Whoever doesn't play, unless they unless they win, like going away, right? If if they either lose or they like win, but like it's ugly, there will people be like, well, why didn't you play? You know, play right? Yeah, Yeah. no, that's a that's a great call.
2: There's there's no obvious best lineup on this team. These guys are all they're all basically getting paid the same too, right? I mean, other than Julius, it's like a ten to twenty million dollar range player for like the next eight nine guys. RJ hopefully graduates from that. He'll certainly make more than that. But right now with the inconsistency that we're seeing, is he what, a $20 billion a year player? Not really. No. I mean, if we're being realistic about it. Um,
1: he, well, he's, he's not, is he playing Like, Let's put us, like, we, we're going to sidetrack. This would be the yeah, first of our many sidetracks. You, you like the economics of the NBA. You, I know you think about this stuff as, as well as I do. Like, I don't, what is a $20 million a year player now? I, I mean, it's, it's McHale Bridges, right? Because he just signed for 20, was 22 and a half a year. Lonzo Ball is a $20 million a year player. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Clint Capella is a $20 million a year player. Like, RJ, is he as good as those guys right this second? <laughs> there are certainly nights where he looks at it. That, that's the thing with him. And the bad is so bad with him. The bad
2: is worse with him than it is with any of those guys. Um, and in the first half last night, there's a, f- get, there's a floor. It with, gets, yeah, it gets ugly with him sometimes. Uh, and then there are times where he looks like he'll far exceed those guys because of his, uh, you think about a guy like Bridges. I mean, the guys you named, they're all kind of like the elite role player, different roles, but kind of the elite role player kind of. Fred Van Fleet. whether it's, it's a discount but, center, yeah. three, three and D wing. RJ, yeah. you're hoping, becomes 3 and D plus creation yeah. skills, shot making uh, on a different level. But I mean, right now, realistically, is he that? I mean, it's, we're, we're going to see this year. But, you know, the point remains that, like, there's no obvious number two. And yeah. There's no obvious closing lineup. And it's just, it's a hard team to figure out. Like, I don't envy Tibbs trying to, trying to figure the lineups out as he goes here because, on one hand, it's a luxury to have 10 guys as good. It's deeper than the average team. But like the two to four or two to five is not nearly as
1: obvious as it is with an average MBA team. So I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you. There are teams that we see every year that there's a number one and then a two through ten that are kind of interchangeable, and those teams usually suck. Right. They're usually right. very they're usually very bad. That is what. But but at the same time, I, I say that somewhat facetiously because clearly there is a the the uh, average talent level of. Hour or two to whether you want. I guess who are we including? So Rose quickly, RJ, Burks, uh, uh, OB. Um, who am I forgetting? Evan uh, Kemba. Oh, and the, and then the center. So it's, it's it's Yeah. So it's like so it's Julius and then seven guys who play the one through four spots and then the three centers. So yeah. Um. God, the I I, I this that's one thing I keep I keep uh, talking about kicking and can down the road. Is like what happens when all the sensors are, are healthy on the 12th of, of never. Um, I've, I've seen you dodge the, the Mitch question a couple of times now on post games. Um, I, I don't even know. Pay. I've lost the ability to have a conversation about Mitchell Robinson. And I'm not. Exactly. that's not to say I'm like mad at him or I think he's like bad. Or I just don't even know. I don't even know what to say at this point. He's
2: a, he is a strange case. Uh, <laughs> I, strange. I, I, I he is a strange case. I don't know if I would have, if I was his agent, if I would have recommended putting on dozens of pounds in a contract year and trying to figure out my body. It was kind of a weird choice, I think. And as much as I think I understand why he did it, um, and I saw in his press conference today, he was explaining that he's still adjusting to that. Um, I mean, he's got to be on the court and he's got to be making an impact. And even when he's been on the court and I think relatively healthy there's something to be said about the fact that Tibbs is basically closing with the other center almost every night, almost every night.
1: Um, Beginning sure. of the season, uh, he was closed when Mitch was on his, it seemed like something was, it was different early in the year. And I don't know. I mean, need to go back and rewatch those games. Cause I may be imagining it at this point, but yeah, continue.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be a hard conversation. I, I I'm, I'm, you know, I know, know people got um, really Excited about the idea of what Mitch would have meant in the Atlanta series. Yeah. Um, I think there is some degree of truth to that. I think it's probably being overstated. Um, because I think while the ceiling of Mitch in some ways like combines Taj Gibson and Orleans Noel, <laughs> the reality far. is that Mitch doesn't has never done that consistently. I can't, you know, there hasn't been a long stretch of games in Mitch's career where I've said, like, this guy's figured it out as an anchored big. Like, he's he's anticipating he's in the right spots. every. Like, there were games last year where I just felt like Noel and Taj were giving us better defensive decision-making anticipation. Like, Mitch physically has gifts that exceed both those guys, certainly Taj Gibson, although Taj Gibson's feet are, like, divine. The way that guy moves his feet is unbelievable. But, like, in terms of, like, defensive... Um, physical gifts. Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson is elite, um, but kind of combining that with anticipation. Like I always say to the fans who are getting like, if watch Rudy Gobert play defense in a game, and understand like there's a level of understanding, anticipation, um, knowing knowing the actions, knowing the personnel. Like it is a totally different ball game and level. And so I, I mean, and it just comes down to how much is it worth and how much you want to invest. And then you add on top of that, the physical issues he's having now,
1: and it's becoming a thing. Um, I um, wonder, uh, you, the Gobert point is, there have been a few things that have like, I, I've hated to have to explicitly say, but like when people are like, oh, his ceiling is is Rudy Gobert. Like, yes, te- sure, mm-hmm. technically there is a world, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where Mitchell Robinson evolves into Rudy Gobert. But like, there's a reason why this man is one, what is it? Two or three, whatever it is, defensive player of the year. It's like, yeah, it's, um, that's, that means you're the best in the whole league and you're really not bad at anything for as much as people pick apart what he does has done at times in the playoffs. Um, in any case, yeah, I, I wonder for the Knicks, if it's the years less than the dollars that that potentially scaring them. And uh, I, we still don't, I don't think we have any firm reporting of like whether or not they've offered money and Mitch's camp has turned it down or whether like he's waiting to get more on the, like, I don't, I don't know. Um But whatever, that would be. Okay. Anyway, so we, we've, again, gotten sidetracked. So, so back to your point about the, the, all these equal guys. Um l- Let me ask you this, cause you had a great threat on RJ today and how we kind of bounced back after what was a really, And it wasn't just missing shots; it it was a bad, you know, stretch of four or five games. This is probably going to be a stupid question, right? But like, we're RJ still has the highest ceiling of this team, or do you think RJ still has the highest ceiling of this team? Because I'll just come out and say it: I, I waver at times. That's all. I'm just going to say I waver.
2: I, I waver. I waver. I, I. To me, like it's hard. I mean, I guess Julius Randall's an example. So I mean, but he's done. That. I mean, it's hard to imagine a guy that sometimes looks that bad becoming a consistently great player. Um, yeah. That's hard. I mean, it's just. I think the shot has really improved, um, and I. Think, I believe in the shot. I still believe I, in the I shot. I think he's gonna make catch and shoot threes do I think he's ever going to be a guy that you can throw the ball to and say, we need a bucket, go create it. I, I, I waver, I waver. And I, and I, I think probably the realistic, like most uh, likely result here, if he continues to work, which he certainly will. And his attitude is great. And all that, like, I just, I, I, I think you're looking at a elite, 3 and D guy when he starts putting it together defensively every night because we've seen the flashes of great defensive play we've seen some bad flashes defensively a really great 3 and D guy who gives with a plus where like he can give you secondary pick and roll action you run those pistol actions for him occasionally where he can get to the rim I think yeah. he's a much better passer than he's shown this year. I think that's he's taking a step back in some ways this season.
1: I completely agree that's, with you. He's shown flashes of the past. Yeah. he has made some passes that will be like, oh, there it is. There's the there's the playmaking that was like people talked about before he got taken third in the draft.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, but that ha- we haven't seen it really blossom yet. Um, so I mean, I I don't see a perennial all star. Um, I know some do, and people are going to say that I'm putting a hard ceiling. I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked. I just that's not what I see when I when I watch this player as as much as I've watched him. Um, and I don't think that's a terrible result if he becomes what I'm describing. Um, I know people people hope for more, but I don't. You know that's that's a really 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 valuable player.
1: So. Well, L- Lonzo Ball. I'm not listen. Just before anybody starts yelling at screen, I'm not comparing R.J. Barrett to Lonzo Ball. I'm not saying that's his ceiling. I don't. I think his ceiling is higher than Lonzo Ball. I want to be very, very clear about that. But Alonzo Ball just got paid twenty million dollars a year, um, and he is the. I don't, depending on how you feel about Nikola Vucevic, who's. A, an interesting player. He's the three, what is he, the third 3.5 best player on a team that is currently looking like it's going to, I don't know, make some noise in the playoffs, maybe for a round. Um, no one's going to ever say he's underpaid. Uh, or, or, sorry, no one's ever going to say he's overpaid, Lonzo Ball. I think, I, like any team in the league at this point would probably trade for the, almost any team in the league, would probably trade for that contract. Um, you know, he's not a high usage guy, he's not a high assist guy pretty efficient overall, you know, hitting threes like it. So you can, my, my point in making this comparison, which again, I'm not really comparing these two players is to be like, you, you don't have to check all the boxes to be an incredibly valuable player on a very good team. And I think the question is like, for, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm yet to engage in conversations about, well, what is a team where RJ Barrett's the best player looks like? I, neither here nor there. To me, it's more like if he's your third best, like you see the, can he be the third best player on a championship team and people are, people will hear that and, and ask and be like, Oh, you're, you're a hater Macri. And then I think about the, the, like the top 75 list that just came out and how guys who made the top 75 of all time were third best players on championship teams, you know? And it's like, so what, so what is RJ Barrett going to make the top hundred list in 25 years? Like, is that where we're, is that where we're talking about? I just, this is where I struggle. And, um, before we move on from him, the one thing I, I would like to always point out, I wish he would get to the foul line more. It drives me nuts that he doesn't force more calls. I just take that for what it's worth. That's all. I don't, I don't know if that bugs you as well. I figured I'd bring it up.
2: No, so I wrote it last year uh, and it actually came from, uh, from something that you wrote uh, in terms of comparing him to Jimmy Butler, or at least looking at those two players
1: who lives at um, the fucking line? And, right. And,
2: and, 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 and Jimmy told him, right. I mean, we saw it like Jimmy told RJ Barrett, like, dude, you gotta, you gotta initiate some contact on me or else I'm just going to take the ball from you. Um, yes. And we see, I mean, how many times did he last night where he's in transition and he just kind of, he doesn't really make a move and he just kind of holds the ball there and they just, it's jump ball or turnover. Like, yeah, that's a it's a he's he's got to figure out a little bit of craft around the rim where he draws more contact and finishes better and that probably if we assume the shot has come along and will be you know somewhere let's say a floor of thirty-seven, thirty-eight 37 38 percent from three which I think is conservative I think it should, could be better but let's yeah. say that's a floor I mean the the, the, the efficiency at the rim is going to be the, the big difference for it and that's it's the, the bellwether.
1: It's the the, the efficiency at the rim and 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 how often he gets to the line. Uh, Absolutely. The bellwether. We're
0: driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Let's let's shift to a guy who knows um, exactly what the fuck he is, and <laughs> seems to be having some fun with it right now. Is Emmanuel quickly, and and I want to even be more explicit. When I said a, a minute ago, like I doubt who, which Nick player has the highest ceiling at this point for me to be like, oh yes, RJ Barrett definitely has a higher ceiling than Emmanuel quickly. That feels disingenuous to what we're watching at the moment in a league where. Um, horizontal spacing is is it the most important skill I, I i don't know is there what's the more what's the more important i guess if you're a big wing and you can create shots that's still kind of what it's going to come down to in a game you know end of a tight playoff game right but
2: yeah, it's partially dependent on on the spacing though it, part- it limits your ability, <laughs> even a big wing it limits your ability to do that if you can't uh, yeah if you, can, um, if, you, if you can't create space on
1: behind the arc for sure yeah and like again i hate to like be so you know like the like um narrow conversations about players down to like one or two like ultra specific things but like he's a small guard and again this goes back to what you were saying he he is defending primarily against backups now but my goodness he looks like he is not a guy you're going to be able to play off the floor defensively and i i I would go even a step further than that i i think he's a good defensive player how good can he be at whatever he is six or six, three and, and whatever. He was, I, I don't know that, but like, you know, and then you get into like, well, okay. So how much playmaking can he actually do? And is he, it can, I mean, we, and we saw him out there closing uh, in a key moment with, with Alec Burks. They were the two, they were the two guys. And granted the offense still flowed more through Burks, but which we saw last year. Um, I just, I don't, I, there's something there it's like I know you've been watching the NBA for as long as I have, and you, you when you, when you see it, when, you know when you see it, and something's going on with this kid. I'm, I'm curious what your what your thoughts are.
2: No, I agree with with basically everything you said. Um, I, I the defensive improvement. He, he's always been from the first time I watched him, and like broke down film on him, and and and, and put out a thread on him. He is extraordinarily aware on the defensive mm-hmm. end, like. For a rookie last year, it was it was really a sight to behold. Like in terms of understanding scheme, personnel, who he's guarding, um, what teams are trying to do, um, he's switching out, he's scram switching from day one. Like this guy just got it from the moment he entered the league, which is really rare. Um, and if there was there were limitations last year in terms of size and strength, and I think those have been somewhat mitigated this year I, he spoke about it in his press conference uh, there was a four practice today but last night i don't remember where he said no i'm stronger and i yeah. and and he even said he even said last year i struggled a little bit because i was put next to Derek rose and i hard, had to guard twos and i struggled with that a little bit but this year i feel more comfortable and i that's what i've seen as well um is is he just seems to he's be he's not
1: trey burke or I don't know who else no, you are. No. Someone of that ilk. Like, he's not Kimball know. Walker.
2: No, he's not no, Kimball he's Walker.
1: Second walker, second walker um, not. Steph is. Curry is, is, is like Steph Curry again. It, has Steph Curry gotten targeted in finals games by like LeBron James? Like, yeah, that happens occasionally. But like, Steph Curry's always been able to hold his own for yeah. the most part.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think I quickly has, I think, added length to that kind like he's he can deflect, he gets deflections, he's long, he's um, he pressures, he's confident pressuring full court right now, which I love. I think it changes one of the reasons like the whole pace of the game changes right when the bench comes in is because that guy just gets up in you right away. Yes. Um, and all of a sudden there's a little bit of added pressure on, on on the opposing offense, which the starting unit does not provide at the point of attack right now, which is a big problem, which is a big problem. Honestly, if there's any I'm sorry to sidetrack again, but if there's any no, problem I have right now with the starting unit because I think the Fournier is going to shoot the hell out of it over the next 10 games. Completely agree with guy you. Who has always shot the hell out of
1: it? <laughs> I have career, no Listen, to career think. career sample size. Like at some point, it it, start, it doesn't lie. Yeah, like go go like look at his numbers.
2: Quickly, it's like people doubting quickly. Shots yes. going to come around. Like he's been a good shooter his whole life. He's not going to stop being a good shooter. Evan Forney is going to going to hit shots. He's going to yeah. hit shots. Even it's not even a usage thing. He had a lower usage in Boston at, when he went over there, and he still shot.
1: The percentage went up. Yeah,
2: he shot the hell out of it. So it's not a usage thing. that like, he's not comfortable. Like. There is some chemistry that needs to be worked out. I think they're working it through, but like, ultimately, if he's, if he's made, if he made seven, eight more shots this year from three, we wouldn't be talking about him so much. Like, I just think the shot's going to come around. I'm not as worried about him offensively, even the unit offensively. I think it's a good offensive unit. Um, But in terms of not having any point of attack aggression at all, um,
1: it's, but doesn't this get back to the stagger conversation? I think it, if you got Tibbs, some true serum, and alone in a room with a, with a cocktail or something, he'd tell you never in a million years am I would I f- contemplate ending a game, a key, a big game, close game with those with these guys on the court, right?
2: I'm not sure Rose changes that that much. I think Rose is okay. I think quickly brings a different defensive element than yeah. even Derek Rose. I yeah. do. Um, and I don't know. And it goes back to the lineup question. You know, the this team is if, if there's a flaw in construction, it's a bit small and a bit um, thin. At, when I say thin, I mean physically thin, not, not <laughs> the no, I, I um, at the point guard and guards and wings. like RJ. Oh, look who really they drafted.
1: I, again, we, we everybody's everybody's shouting. We need to see you know Quentin Grimes right now. Uh, easy, you don't need to see him today or tomorrow. <laughs> but like that, there's I a reason rookies
2: comments ha- so many times in the last
1: ten days. There <laughs> is there's a, there's is a so reason manageable. rookies gets get signed to four year contracts. Like it, it 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 doesn't often happen automatically, right away. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, continue. I'm sorry.
2: No, no, you were, you were, you were speaking about, uh, no, they the guys that, that have a little bit more, more physicality to them. Absolutely. But the 10 man unit that they're going to play this year, barring injury, and they should play this year, barring injury. Yes. Um, that is a bit of like, there's not a ton of, uh, of real defensive minded, uh, they, they prioritize pull-up shooting and, 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 you know, the ability to knock down open looks, and it came a little bit at the expense. I mean, Reggie Bullock—that's what he was. He was a solid wing defender. That's yep. what he was. And even Alfred Payton, for all the hate, most of it deserved. Um, you don't. He's just a
1: space cadet. Every other he wasn't play. Wasn't
2: a good team defender. Kemba Walker is a better team defender. And defender easily. So is Fournier. however, where you see it, and I and I and I, I at some point I'll write about this because there have been a two or three plays a game where the Knicks panic help on Kemba's man, and <sighs> somebody's open. And that Alfred, as space cadetty as he was off ball, two back doors a game, uh, didn't always get back in transition, didn't always yep. communicate. He didn't have to worry one on one about over helping on on Alfred Payton's man. And Bro-
1: Brogdon's not take like like carrying Alfred Payton into the paint and being exactly shoot over that, him So yeah.
2: there are a couple plays on Brogdon and this is why I was screaming. And he's I, big,
1: though, we should say Brogdon. Brogdon's, Brogdon's a big, really goal. good and really strong. I didn't yeah.
2: understand why Tip stuck with Ken Bonham as long as he did. I thought he could have stuck him on holiday for portions of that game and gotten away with it, yep. but he wanted to leave Kemba on him, I, and and you could just see it. Like like everyone on that unit is trained or has been coached to be very aware of who Kemba is guarding and where they are on the floor, and that does have a trickle down effect on your defense, and that has made an impact. I do it's, So it's not as simple as Kemba and Fournier are so much worse than Bullock or an yeah. uh, no. elf. It's, it's an over.
1: It's an oversimplification.
2: It's an oversimplification. But there is, and there are, um, there are factors here in terms of both those guys' lack of physicality that is having a trickle down, even though they're both very intelligent defensive players, and they're mostly in the right spots, and they mostly help where they need to help, and both drawing charges, like they're not bad defensive players, but as a unit, your your overall physicality, your overall strength has been diminished, and I do think that is that is affecting the team defense. And we saw, I thought it was much better last night overall, yep. although Brogdon had his way at times and um, Steven's bonus had his way at times, but I, I thought generally it was better and I think it will get better. And they moved up eight spots in the rankings last night. I think in one game.
1: It, um, it's I've never, I feel like it's worth 13, 14 games of the season. That was insane. Yeah. How much they jumped? four gets-
2: points is not, that's not what you, what you get off in anymore. Um, but uh I do think that's real. And again, it goes to the lineup questions where, what, what do you do with that? Um, I, I do think the starting lineup will stabilize. I think it'll be, I think it shouldn't even maybe get be a positive lineup by the end of the year if they stick with it. I'm not like panicking, but there are real structural kind of questions and issues well, that they're that they're dealing with.
1: And, um, it just to go back for a second, just made me think of it like that's where I think, we we uh, maybe not me and you, but some people have have um, gotten a bit into of the the fool's gold with like, well, it's okay because we have Mitch, so it doesn't matter what the perimeter defenders because you know look at Utah and they have you know substandard um, perimeter defenders and like Gobert. back well, again, yes, that's a that's a one man walking defense and and you know how many of those guys there are in the NBA? There's, well, I mean, Joel Embiid's pretty good too, but um, there's not many of those guys. Um, Back to quickly for a second. So yeah. I, no, I, this is, this is <laughs> listen, you've listened to the pod before. You know how I like to roll I, all over the fucking place. Um, I, for me, the thing that I um, not get annoyed by, but like when, when conversations about is someone a point guard versus are, are they not a point guard? Like it's so often I feel like focuses on the wrong things. Like does this person have like elite vision or, or like, are they, you know, delivering the the pass like exactly where it needs. To me, it's like, you know, and maybe this is an oversimplification, but just like how do you think the game, do you make mistakes? Like if a if a team puts your puts the ball in your hands for however many pick and rolls like a game, like are you gonna make the right just make the right read. Are you gonna make the right play? And I feel like quickly this year, I don't know, maybe I'm just I'm watching with like orange and, and blue colored glasses, but I just don't feel like he's made many incorrect Reads plays. I feel like if there's a pass to be made, he makes it. He makes it at the correct time. He's he's baiting guys into situations that allow him to make passes. And like if you can do that, and you can shoot, and you can defend a little bit. Like what I know he's, he doesn't get all the way to the rim, but I'll be damned if the, the short mid range stuff doesn't look also pretty darn good. I just don't know. So where, where is the thing where I'm supposed to be like, Oh no, that's why he can't play, you know, 32 minutes a game and be a, be a really good starter in the back. Like that's where I'm at right now with him. And I just, I don't know. I'm excited and I want to see where it goes. No, I, I think
2: that's fair. I, to me, the what remains to be seen is can he consistently access the paint against elite defenders if he was the primary ball handler in a unit? Because it focuses even now, on him. when he closes yep. games, I think the best perimeter defender is guarding Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. And I think probably either the second or third best perimeter defender is guarding Quickly. And Quickly isn't really just like running... We're not seeing like high pick and roll quickly Like every possession, every other possession, like it's mostly, he's mostly still playing off the catch. If he gets a switch, he'll attack the switch and he's gotten really good at that. Um, Yes. But I, I, we haven't seen like a guy who, who can consistently run a pick and roll and create a great shot. I think. As a secondary player right now, he's becoming better at that. I, I, I think his burst is clearly improved. I think his handles clearly improved. Like it's better this year. He's in yeah. the paint. He's he's leveraging his shot using hesitation moves to access the paint. And then you're right. He's making the right pass. And he's shown that that Derrick Rose kind of like jump pass where he freezes the defense or he jumps and then he's yeah. able to kind of spray it. Find different guys, whether it's cross-court or the other night, he he faked a cross-court pass and then ended up dropping it off to Mitch for a dunk. Yeah. Like he's starting to manipulate defenses with that. And I and, and it's massive step. And like he's I'm not saying he can't get there. I'm just saying there are still it's still uh um, he's still put in context, like very advantageous context where they're not geared up on him yet because of who he's playing with and who's guarding him and the situations. That he's attacking, um, and I, I, I think the question remains to be seen. Like, if, if we're really geared up to stop a manual quickly, if a starting defensive unit yeah. is geared up to stop a manual quickly, yeah. like, wh- how much could he do? Um, and I still think that's a very fair question to ask in terms of the ceiling. But uh, what we've seen, like, just tremendous strides, and a player who uh, is like every every time he speaks, you're just like this. This is like perfect. Like every comment, every press conference. Well, like it's just every there's so much positive energy out of him. It's like it's like overwhelming how wonderful it is to root for a player. Well, like but
1: that. it makes you think of, of the character and the work ethic, and that's why, like, if you know, if a guy like Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet, I always his name, Van Vliet, can go from an undrafted player who bounced around between the G League to a guy who's a borderline all star because he just worked his fucking balls off to get to this point then Emmanuel quickly, former top 10 recruit, you know, Kentucky, like first round draft pick, the whole thing. If he, if, if his work ethic, like where, again, I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, Oh, Emmanuel quickly is going to be the guy who's the perennial all-star. That's that's not where this is going. But like, I just, I wonder, it's like, there, there's definitely somewhere Like he's not, we know he's not like Trey young, who was, you saw what he did in, in college. and like, that's, that guy's going to lead the league in scoring. If not this year, then soon. Um, you know, or player, a player of that ilk, but like, is there a level down from that where, you know, again, if it's a team that's constructed in a certain way and maybe it's, I don't know how many of these players are going to, are going to, would be part of this, but like, you know, I don't know. It's just something I'm I'm excited to see from him moving forward. Um, Before we get out of here, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Give me something that we haven't talked about that you're, Interested in that you're you you're curious about that you you're I don't know that you're mad at anything a, a player a, a a thing. Looking at
2: the roster here, um, so oh, we haven't many talked options. Obi.
1: We have Obi. Wait, you t- you mentioned Obi b- briefly, and I was I was like, yeah, oh, I guess I'll leave it there. Like we can talk about Obi more. I love Obi Topic. I'm
2: uh yeah I,
1: he's been he's
2: been like unbelievably exciting. And I, you know, the angle that I'm starting to uh, develop, I'm hopefully gonna write about it soon. But uh, I'd love to talk about it with you a bit. Is I think the easy explanation for the improvement, and there's been clear improvement, is he worked hard and he's gotten better. The the, the funny part is like all the work that he put in on the shot um, has <laughs> it made it? To, has it been, made it three since the second he, game of the it, season? It, Anything, including free throws, it's been a disaster. Honestly, it's been a disaster in terms of the outside shot. Like it could not have gone worse this year. Yeah. And it's absolutely incredible that despite that, despite that, there's no question that he's making a 20 times the impact he made last year, despite yeah. shooting worse than he did last year. And he was a bad shooter last year.
1: Well, he um, was the only player who saw court time last year. Again, putting let's put Peyton into his own category. He's the only player who saw court. Well, actually, no, Kevin Knox saw court time last year. But like, post there were throws, moments. Post-throws. Post post like you know, oh, he was the only player who saw court time where you were like, this this person probably should not be out there right this now. Is I, yes. Yes, this is a below average NBA player. Yes, it's a below average NBA player. And if he was not a first round, if he wasn't a top 10 pick of Leon Rose, he, he would probably not be playing.
2: Yeah, right. So, so you know, I think the obvious, the easy explanation everyone uses between rookie and sophomore year is they've improved. Uh, I think with Obi, there is definitely some of that. I think the handle is, and the, the, the speed with which he's catching and going mm. um, and using that handle is, is making a huge difference. The dunk he had last night, the second one, they oh my god, with the sec the second one. I know. He blocked it off his knee somehow. It was a terrible pass. And it's just like so quick, one dribble, he's gone, and then he's dumping on you. Like that is new. That is improved. I think more of the explanation here though goes to they're actually letting him screen and roll. Yeah. Like in the stats back it up. Uh you look at the amount of possessions he's screening, you look at um his his pick, his his um his roll pop ratio, which basketball index puts out. There are drastic changes in terms of how they're using this guy. The crazy thing is, we all knew this is how they should be using him because that's why they drafted him, because that's how he played in college. And he somehow became a stretch for trying to figure out how to play that position last year. It reminded and me of like Sabonis
1: when Sabonis came out. Of, we knew what Sabonis was in college. That's a great and then he, comp. I haven't thought of that. That's a great He went comp. to Oklahoma City and they told him, they'll just stand the fuck over there. And he's <laughs> terrible. And it just made no,
2: it just made no, and like he played yeah. Taj Gibson the tongue last year. Taj was one of the most frequent screeners in the league last year. Yeah. Now he is a very good screener, Taj Gibson, but he's not a vertical threat. Like he's, we saw him last night. He's very good on the short roll. He's a good passer. Yeah. If he catches deep, he's a good finisher. But like that's not a guy that needs to be one of the, highest percentage screeners in the league when he's out there, especially when you play with Obi Toppin. Who, like the whole reason he got drafted this high was because he's an elite screen role finisher and like can show those passing chops that I think he has. Like, so it's just interesting that I think they've they've figured out that like the reason they drafted him is how they should utilize him. And and they're running all sorts of sets for him now. You saw the, the first note you had last night. Rose co crosses half court. They're about to. Rose is like, no, 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 run this. All of a sudden, Obi comes looping around. They're on a little handoff pitch. All of a sudden, quickly backstream. Ali is like, they didn't run stuff like this for him last year. And now they just decided to do it. And it's so interesting to me. I, I, I'm fascinated to like, I wish I was in a coach's meeting where they're like, you know, what would be a great <laughs> idea? You no, know, we should definitely screen you know, it. Well. I was watching not.
1: the, I was watching the college tape of this guy. I didn't realize he played in the school Dayton. They had a fairly <laughs> successful season with him uh, before we drafted him. <laughs>
3: I, he,
1: he, he won an, I think he won an award. Um, And, and the thing that I, I probably should just stop talking about because it it's it's never going to happen. But just like the notion of him as the as the five, we don't need to get into his defense of what he is, what he would be as, as a five um, against good NBA lineups, or even I guess backups NBA line, like just the notion of that dude play with with four you know perimeter players and like and if we really want to get crazy, if you if you constructed a lineup of and again, I'm not even saying this is possible with the Knicks' current roster, but just like where you could switch, you know, switch. I mean, it's, I know it's the go-to, like switch everything. Yeah, like the, you know, the Clippers, whatever. It, that that stuff is easier said than done. But just whatever, the notion of him with four shooters and
2: yeah, that would there, be fun. There, there are a couple of plays that I've that i because I'm probably going to write about this, but where it's he's slipping a screen. He's gotten really good at slipping when he when he sees, and that's. Talking about quickly as what uh, as a weapon, you basically have to trap that guy. Like you have to, if you if you let him walk into, if you're playing a drop and you let him walk into it, he had one last night. So dropped, it's pretty automatic. Like you, you can't do that, which means you got to bring the big up. So always oh, gotten so good at slipping it, he slips it. He gets a bounce pass, a little pocket pass from quickly. He's ready to rise up. Taj Gibson though, where's he? He's in the dunker spot because he's not spreading the floor. And so where's Miles Turner? He's ready for Obi. He's waiting there, and that's a premier shot blocker. Um, and so you you mitigate how explosive that could be by having a Taj Gibson in there. And as much as <laughs> Taj Gibson wants to, seems to be dreaming of spacing the floor. I don't think it's
1: going to really ever happen. So um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we 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 doubt doubt Taj at your own peril at this point. 30, <laughs> I, I would know. There, I would no, sure. I know you love him as much as I do. Thirty six years uh, young. So um, yeah,
2: I mean, him is a him is an Amari type small ball five, which is the comp, which was probably a crazy comp, but. In terms of no, style but- of play, it's not that crazy. Like a guy who can slip a screen and explode to the rim the way this guy can um, with four shooters around, that's what he was made to do. That's what he was made to do. He was created in a basketball <laughs> gotcha. web that is- be a small ball five, slipping screens, and then creating uh, havoc at the rim. And, uh, and by the way... It, never happen- it-, it probably won't ever happen on this team because it- it's hmm. just Julius Randle became Julius Randle. So I, I mean, it's really hard. It's hard, well, to-, hard a, to see a- where
1: this goes. That's as good. We'll finish up with Randall. It's as good a good place to finish up as anyone because you just got my mind working. But like, it, it's not only like I don't remember. Maybe Amari had in it. I mean, Amari was is one of the best power dunkers. I don't know, fucking ever. But like, I don't know that Amari had this level of fin- like the when when Obi goes up and like mid air he swirls it around and does the shit that he like. I, I just don't think there's a lot of guys that do that that are that size and can jump that high. He's just. I don't know. He's so g- good. Transition. We'll let... This is where we'll finish up. It's only a kick, oh, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. <laughs> it's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans.
2: After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
0: Adidas. Learn more at marines.com.
1: So Julius Randall is on this lovely poster behind me. I've gotten, I've yelled at a lot of people this year who are mad at, were mad at Julius. And I refused to, I have mostly refused to engage in it um, because of what I really do feel he meant to the franchise and everything that happened last year. And, you know, it's, sh- it's so interesting because And I think if there is, if you're like, well, what's the biggest question about this team moving forward that doesn't involve like, will they trade for like whatever star? Although I guess it does kind of involve that because this notion that you have this guy will be here. Who's, who's good. We don't, you know, what he's good. He's a good player and he's a hard worker and he'll probably get better. And if you think the shot's going to come around, then we'll, then it's a really interesting conversation. And you have Randall who's, he who's here and he does not seem to be, you know, he's not going anywhere nor should he go anywhere anytime soon. It's like, I i don't know. I have not allowed myself to think about like, well, what is there is an ultimate universe where like that, you know, Randall was not on this team and like, what, what would he be moved for? And like, I don't know. I, I I'm not, I'm not there. I don't want to be there. I want to enjoy this team for what it is this year. And I want to have these conversations like later after the season, but you know, I don't know. Do you ever allow yourself to dwell into those, those dark holes
2: yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely cuz we're crazy i mean if,
1: <laughs> we are crazy
2: if, if, if julius randall um if julius randall continues to shoot 34% from mid-range and 35% from 3 26 from long mid 26, 20, which is the real difference? Twenty-six yeah. and long, but is the real well,
1: it's difference twenty percent? Basically least, the same from short mid. <laughs> he's making so one if, out of every five shots fewer than from that distance that he was, if, and he lived from that he, distance last if year. If
2: that continues and he doesn't severely alter the way he plays, um,
1: then which maybe he's doing, this, maybe he's doing, he's starting to. I
2: think, I think he showed. I think in the I think basically in every game there have been. Um, there have been flashes of yes. fulcrum movement Julius Randall. I mean, he <laughs> last night it seemed like he was trying to prove a point because he would like catch it and then like throw it as hard as he can to the wing before a dribble handoff. He did this like four or five times. Did you notice? He like one hand gun it over to Fournier and then like sprint into a dribble handoff. And it was like a little much and exaggerated, but I loved it because uh, uh, that I'm stuff, not complaining. That, no, that stuff... I mean, the stuff he's shown a little bit with Kemba the last couple of games, like even in semi-transition, little handoffs, little screen, switching the screen, yeah. rolling, making plays like that, I, that is a really powerful player. The question is going to be, look, I, he took, if he made two out of the five open threes that he missed last night, he had a great game. Yes. Um, he, he's not making anything. I mean, he's just not making anything. And there was, and then there's like the the, the five, six play series where it looks like like he totally loses himself in frustration mm. and there's three turnovers in a row, literally three turnovers in a row and two missed rotations in a six play secret sequence. It's like, how is that? How do you allow that? Like, this is the leader of your team. And yeah. he, he can't have, he just can't have moments like that. And he has too many and he's had too many this year where body language is obviously terrible, but even just like if the body language is bad, but he was like playing well when his body language was bad, I wouldn't care about the body language. But the body language and like the whole approach changes for periods of a game where he's frustrated and it, it sinks the team. It just does. Um, and he has the ball a lot and he needs to make the decisions. And he can't have two-minute stretches like that. And he had at the end of the third quarter last night it was inexcusable. You just can't, you can't derail your team like that. So I I'm hopeful that like he's figuring this out. I think I don't think we give enough thought and credit to a guy who's had a as chaotic a career as what we oh have in terms yep. of where he's been, Kobe to Anthony Davis, <laughs> to uh, he broke his leg his first year. He comes to New York, it's a disaster, it's an
1: absolute shit show.
2: He, he he becomes a Kawhi Leonard like he had Kawhi Leonard type like shot distribution. That all of a sudden he's a mid range like like phenom out of absolutely thin air. And we're asking him again a year after doing that. Finally, cementing his place in the league. As <laughs> Change as well. it all. Now we're saying, no, no, no. Can you lower your usage like uh, seven, eight percent and like become like more like Draymond Green? Draymond Green. Like, that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. And, I and know- yet,
1: and yet, if he does that, and it, again, I go back to what Tibbs is like, it's not just about, you know, it's like it's preserving Julius's body. Like if he plays center, like that's hard on him. And yeah, and I feel like this has been the conversation since Julius Randle came into the league about how much how much five is he gonna. And he's pl- again, it's not like he hasn't played a lot of five. He's played almost half his minutes at the five. I think for one of the years, I forget which one. Um, New Orleans, New Orleans year. The that was the one New Orleans did. But even before that, in L.A., he had seasons where he played a lot of five. Um, and that just that even if it's ten to fifteen minutes a game, if they could just figure that out, and it gets topping on the court for another. 15 minutes and suddenly now you have a guy who instead of playing 16 minutes a game is playing 26 minutes a game. And maybe that's Toppin's happy place. Maybe that's what he should be playing in the NBA. You know, I, you know, I I just, it changes everything. and, And that's why I always go back to that fantasy. Um, it's it's my fantasy. I, I'm not I'm not abandoning it until I'm forced to. But you know, because I you know, it, look, we it, this this team became a lot of fun to love and a lot of fun to root for last year. So that that's why I like. I don't want to engage in those thoughts about like trade this guy, get rid of you know, bring in this guy. You know, I'd love to see it work out somehow. Hundred percent. No,
2: I'm with you. And, and the, the it's it's a fascinating uh, collision of. Various things that kind of happened, and it's created. Uh, you have a, a coach like Tibbs who wants to play the way Tibbs wants to play. Randall coming out of nowhere becoming an all-star, drafting Obi Toppin probably to some extent because you never thought that Randall would become this kind of all-star, and Just now kind you of, have a you have a collision yeah. of a coach who wants to have forty-eight minutes of rim protection, a uh, 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 blossoming player who needs more minutes and is and deserves more minutes. And the the star who is trying to figure out how to adjust to a to a new situation, so it's it's frustrating. I think and I've, I've said this on Twitter many times. Julius Randall has earned our patience, if anything. Yes, um, thank to you. To figure this out, I think he's yep. clearly making a concerted effort to figure it out. Um, he cares.
1: He, he definitely deserves, cares.
2: Yeah, and he deserves he deserves more time. And I I I I, I think that's true of the entire starting unit. And that's uh, that's the measure of hope that I have. I, I think it's I do think that unit's gonna come to some balance here, even if it's not a closing lineup because of the defensive issues. I do think they're gonna figure something out, and if Julius can become a real like offensive fulcrum, ball mover, playmaker, that's the ceiling for that unit. I don't think there's any question about that. Even in the the spurts that he showed it, they've looked by far the best that they've looked when he's playing that kind of way. So we'll see.
1: Well. Um... You you uh, you said it well, so I'm not going to try to restate it. But I, just to, to close us out, I, I'm thinking about like you were saying about the Knicks, like two through um, two through ten is like in, in, indiscernible. You know, you're looking at the East, and like Brooklyn's Brooklyn, and th- that sucks that we have to sit here and say that, but <laughs> it, it is. But like you know, Milwaukee is. I mean, I guess you should still put them in that and that they've earned that and they'll, and they'll they'll obviously be reckoned with come playoff time. But like other than those, those two teams, you know, the rest of the like if you, again, if you told me the Knicks figured this thing out in the next couple of weeks and they made a run again into like kind of a home court advantage situation, I'd be like, okay, uh, sure. And if you're like, yeah, the Knicks are battling for 10th and, and it's April. I'd be like, Okay. That's an unfortunate turn of events, but also I wouldn't be like, you're, you're lying. You're, you're wrong. That's, I think that's where we're at right now. And it's, it's, it, it's going to make for a fascinating season um, in which you have to come on again and and talk about more because this was a lot of fun. Um, I love talking hoops with someone who's so, so good at talking hoops as you are. Thanks John. It
2: was a lot of fun. I would love to come on anytime. I've, uh, I've only been able to talk hoops through like the, the filter of Twitter with you, but uh, it's it's really a lot of fun to be able to do it. Just uh just kind of bouncing ideas off each other, so it was it was a blast. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: My pleasure. And of course, before I let you go, can you uh, remind the good folks at home where they can uh, find you and uh, your stuff?
2: Absolutely. Thanks. Um, yeah, my Twitter handle is Ben Riddles NBA. Um, my avatar is Ridd Holtzman. My name is not Ritt, for those who keep calling me Ritt, although I kind of think it's great. So you can you can call me Ritt if you want. Um, I, uh, I'm i putting stuff out, as John said, probably too often, a lot, no. all the time. Um, and uh, I'm writing for the Strickland. I uh, hope to have an article on on everyone's favorite sophomore or at least second favorite sophomore over top in soon enough. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, just follow me and uh, and uh, interact because I, I love talking hoops with uh, talking with with all the... The crazy Nick fans out there,
1: even the ones that want to play Juice McBride 29 minutes a game. <laughs> you know, one day you're going to get your wish. Deuce McBride's going to play 29 minutes in an NBA game. And I look forward to w- watching that uh, unfold. Um, you, seriously, uh, you, Ben, you're an awesome follow. Um, I it, It's always a, a pleasure when I see your stuff out there. So everybody out there, if you're not already following Ben, Um, please do so. You'll be happy you did. And of course, check out all his stuff over at uh, the Strickland um, where there's always something good going on. Um, This was fun, my man.
2: Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. I told you this would make you smarter. I wasn't wrong. Was I? Um that like I said that was a lot of fun. Um Ben is great. If you're somehow not following Ben on Twitter, go go change that. Uh and read all of his stuff over at the Strickland uh where everything they do is great, but uh his stuff is particularly good. Um that's it. Again, shout out to everyone coming to the game tonight. Hopefully it will be a win. Um we should I know I've I've given some conflicting information on this. We should actually have a post-game live stream slash podcast of some kind. Um, I think perhaps live from the garden. I I, we're still confirming that, but I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. But you know the deal. Check your podcast feed. At some point in the near future, you will hear somebody talking about um, the game that the Knicks are going to play tonight against the Magic, and hopefully it is a bloodbath and not in um, the wrong direction because you know what? It would be great to get an easy win once. When's the last time that's happened? Oh, that's right. The last time they played the magic Um, or excuse me, not the last time they played the magic, the first time they played the magic. Uh, God, it's all running together. Okay. That's it. Um, Again, rate, um, review, subscribe, uh, tell your friends. We appreciate it. And uh, last thing before I go, Recorded a really fun um, Patreon episode this week with Andrew Claudio in which we went through the top 20 point guards in the NBA and uh, drafted them onto two separate teams. Ten for me, ten for him. Um, If you are not subscribed, subscribe because you can listen to me wipe the floor with Andrew. Yes, Andrew. I said wipe the floor with um, in in my drafting abilities. Uh, It was a fun conversation. So, yeah, if you're not already uh, checking out the KFS Patreon episodes, uh, bonus episodes, uh, you should do that. All right. That's it. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will be back with you in another episode very soon.